Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4.23. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, and man, I am excited about today's episode, today's conversation, where for the very first time, we are going to have one of our fathers, in this case, Perry's father-in-law, on the show to have a conversation about fathering daughters, because also here today is Perry's bride, Nancy, who you have heard referenced, although not much. He doesn't, you know, Nancy, just in full disclosure, Perry doesn't get on these podcasts and just talk about you all the time. But Okay, uh, good. <laughs> but we are excited to have Nancy here because in the last episode, we talked about fathering daughters. And Perry talked a lot about his mindset and philosophy and, and really just his experience fathering a daughter. But we thought, man, what a great opportunity it would be to actually have a daughter's perspective, and in this case, Nancy's perspective about what her father did well, maybe not so well in some cases. We'll find out as we have this conversation, but just just how to raise godly daughters and how just to be a good father for our daughters. So, so that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm actually going to turn it over to Perry and let him do probably a little bit more thorough and better introduction. Um, so Perry, what, what are we going to be doing today? And, and tell us about your bride and your father-in-law. Sure, of course. Thanks, Brett. So I am extremely honored to have both of y'all here and join me on the podcast. Just for the listeners, um, John and Nancy aren't necessarily normally podcast talker kind of people, but uh, because of both of their uh, graciousness and love for me, they, uh, with a little bit of uh, prodding, they said yes to being on the show. So thanks a bunch for being here. And I'm I'm honored to have this conversation. Like you said, Brett, we talked last week about my experience as a father to a daughter. Um, and listeners, if you didn't catch that podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and check it out. Um, but one of the things I talked about was this burden, this weight of fathering a daughter. It's a big deal. It's a big responsibility, you know? And I just... Um, Obviously, I'm very much in love with my bride, and I feel blessed to have her uh, to share this life with. And a lot of that blessing that I experienced because of who Nancy is, is a direct result of who John is. And I just want to tell uh, you, thank you, John, for being the man that you are, for raising Nancy to be the daughter that she is. There, uh, We know that there's a world full of uh, broken little girls and broken women because of <laughs> the brokenness in the father-daughter relationship. And you're a man who I uh, honor greatly and and appreciate greatly and know that Nancy is so much of the way she is today because of your intentional fathering and guidance into her life. So we're really honored to have y'all here and excited to have some fun today, have some laughs, talk about maybe some pranks and uh, some silly things from Nancy's growing up. But yeah, thanks a bunch for y'all's time and thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's just jump right in. Um, John, we'll kind of start with you and we'll bounce back and forth between questions for you, John, and then follow up questions for Nancy. So we'll kind of just hop around a little bit. But uh, John, first, just tell us about yourself just generally. You know, how many kids do you have, grandkids, where'd you grow up? Uh, what was your childhood like? Kind of just some some general get to know you kind of questions. Well, I was uh, I was born and raised in, in Florida. I was born in Miami, um, grew up in West Palm. When believe it or not, Florida was a really awesome little town. Yeah, and uh, had a fantastic parents. Um, wonderful experience in my youth. Growing yeah. up was fantastic. The water was great. We we were we were outdoors kids. Yeah. Um, Kathy and I met when um, when we both worked at the grocery store. We yeah. were married very young, so we grew up together. Which, yeah. in in uh, for our experience, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, she she has been the love of my life from the beginning, and will be till the end. She yeah. is just an awesome wife, friend, mother, grandmother. Um, 
we do have two children, Nancy and Aaron. Um, Aaron is the older. Uh, we have seven grandchildren, and uh, our family is truly a blessing to us. Yeah. Um, they have seven grandchildren between the ages of uh, eight and 15, barely 15. Mm-hmm. So all super close in age. Really close together. We were pretty much convinced that we were going to have grand dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so when they started coming, they were coming fast. All right. So, so Aaron's your older brother. So John did, so you had a son first. Did you always want a daughter? And what was your mindset and thought when you found out you were going to have a girl? Honestly, we just wanted children, healthy, healthy children. Um, and that, that was enough for us. Okay. She has been a blessing to say the least, but yeah. Just, just good, healthy children. So we didn't have any. Perry talks about feeling the weight of having a girl. You didn't have any of those sort of feelings, or did you feel like you maybe needed to father a daughter different differently than you fathered your son? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, after she was born, though, not not prior to her birth. Gotcha. Uh, and that and that was a, that was a learning experience. Kathy and I were children. We were having children. So, uh, how old were you, with Nancy? Yeah, I was like twenty five. Yeah, I think 25. Um, but yeah, the the experience of having a baby girl was certainly different. You know, the a son, um, he's like you. You know, he, he doesn't, or I, I never felt like, you know, I needed to to necessarily protect him differently, you know, because he was like me. Yeah. Nancy was sexist as this may sound it's not meant to be she's a girl and i needed to protect her differently and um and and we you have a different bond with it with the daughter so um let's talk about that perry i I don't mind mean to interrupt but i i want to i want to pull on this thread just a little bit because perry i know one of the things that you had really talked about in the last episode was the importance of guarding the heart of your daughter differently, perhaps, even than your son's. And so, John, you talk about then feeling a need to to protect your daughter and specifically thinking about maybe guarding her heart, protecting her heart. What are some of the things that maybe you intentionally did with Nancy that that were along those lines? How did you try to protect her differently? Um, well. Certainly, I, you know, I wanted and tried to protect her differently um, physically, but not not entirely. You know, I wanted her to um, to experience purity and to, you know, to have to have real relationships, not fleeting garbage. Yeah. Um, And all of those things were, you know, they were important to me. And that that was that was the kind of things that we tried to project to her. And also, you know, it was important to me to, to have her understand. And I hope I did a decent job of that, that, you know, that I, no matter what I'm there for her, you know, yeah. at any time, anywhere, but I was an hour away when you were, there. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, it just, there, there's, there is uh there there is that need for that type of a bond i think that there's no um there's no there's no conditions in that yeah you know she she's my baby girl will always be my baby girl and it'll never change did you feel that nancy and what do oh, you yeah rem- absolutely were there specific things he did or was it just a general feeling like what what got that across to you? Because I'm thinking I'm about to have a daughter myself. I, I I have all these ideas about things I'm going to try to do, but really what was it that made you feel that way? So that's that's great to hear, John. Obviously, you did something right. She felt that. But again, were there specifics or was it just a general sense you had growing up? You know, I actually like spent the morning trying to reflect on that a little bit because I knew that this was going to be an aspect of our podcast today. And I don't, I don't know if I can really pinpoint what exactly he did in actual actions, but um, 
I certainly always felt that from him. And I think a big part of it, and this is something I really wanted to talk about, because, you know, for me, I work with um, I work with kids from super young to all the way to teenagers. And then I have moms that I'm literally interacting with socially and business wise on a daily basis. And um, I have that face that says, come tell me everything that's wrong in your life, you know? Um, and I think a really big part of it when I got older as a teenager was that my dad never shied away from me. So that's one thing I hear moms say a lot is that once their daughters hit like puberty and start to become women, dads no longer know how to interact with their daughters, you know, and they, dads start to pull away. And when dads pull away, obviously their children pull away at a really pivotal age. So I know that that's one thing I can say really specifically at a t at the teenage years, it's really important for dads to not pull away and not act awkward around their girls. <laughs> you know, my dad and my, I'm a very affectionate person. My dad's a very affectionate person. Like he never stopped hugging me. He never stopped sitting beside me. He never stopped, you know, like touching me, just being physical, um, in positive fatherly loving ways when I became a teenager and started, you know, going through puberty and developing into a woman, he never stopped doing those things. Um, and that's one thing that I think it's really important for fathers to hear. Um, and then beyond that, I think it was just a sense that I got, you know, he never, um, I'm not going to say he never corrected me because obviously he did. Although my mother was certainly more of the disciplinarian in our family, we homeschooled and, you know, dad worked and all that. But, um, I just, I think I always just sensed because of his words, because of his actions, because of the way he lived his life, I always sensed, um, acceptance and, you know, love and appreciation from my dad. So does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, absolutely does. I think that's gold. Yeah. Okay. And well, y'all had fun together a lot. Yeah. Too. Super. You know, <clears throat> you guys had a lot of fun together. Yeah. So we can go down that fun path if you want. I, we were kind of starting to talk at the same time, but uh, tell us about some of the fun that, that y'all had. I mean, as you were growing up, like what, like, you know, rubber band wars, skiing late on the slopes, like stuff like that. Oh, what yeah. was, tell us some of those kind of things. How did y'all, John, how did you cultivate a relationship of fun with your kids? Well, let me back up. Just yes, a of course. I think this is important. It's, it's, it, and this is a very difficult, area i believe it is it is it is important to give your 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 daughters both of your kids or all of your kids space when they get a little bit older so you're not in their way but to be able to balance that with being there for them when they need you or when you need to be there and it's it's a really difficult position but I think it's really, really important to try to find. Yeah. Time. As far as fun, fun was easy for me. I always <laughs> liked having fun. Um, whether it was skiing, rubber band wars, freezing to death on a ch stuck chairlift. Um, I had welts the size. I had welts the size of Mount Rushmore on from our rubber band wars as a kid. So your I dad, your no. dad is shooting. It's not just your brother. Your dad's like pelting you. Oh, no. oh, no, yeah. No, no, no mercy. No mercy. <laughs> no mercy. Like welts from the rubber band. Now it's you know no mercy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Fun was always easy. Yeah. So that was that was kind of when the key to have fun together. That means you're spending time together. So were you? And but Nancy alluded to the fact that you also worked. How did you strike that balance? Did you carve out intentional time? Was it kind of weekends that you would do family stuff? How did you find time or make time to spend with your kids so so that you had those shared experiences, those, those bonding experiences? And then Nancy, what are some of your fondest memories from childhood? But John, go ahead and. Uh, Maybe you answer first. Um, well, when when we moved to to Lake Lure, we had uh, um, I, I was I was self employed, which means that you work all the time. But we always we always carved out in the winter time. I, I, you know, usually once a week or once every other week, we would we would pack 
however many kids we could get in a little tiny pickup and go up and ski in the mountains at night when it was cheap and, and we could afford to do it and had a had a ball. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money to have fun. You just need to be together and and enjoy the time. And we, I, you know, I, we, were, we were blessed enough to live on the lake. So we'd come home. I, you know, I'd get off early enough before it would get dark sometimes and we'd tube around the lake or, you know, it, it, or rubber band work. It's just simple, fun stuff. It didn't need to be organized fun necessarily. Just fun, just spending time. So, yeah, he was always really good at that mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, still is. Yeah, because still with, is. Our, with our yeah. kids, with your grandkids, still is really good at <laughs> yeah. that. So good at that. Yeah, he's always, I mean, he, like, how old are you? 59 and a <laughs> <laughs> A long time ago. <laughs> he, uh, I, yeah, my grandkids run me pretty hard. Man, so. I don't know how he does it. Like, he has way more stamina than I do. I mean, like, get everybody up at four o'clock in the morning and, load the boat and go, you know, 50 miles offshore to go fishing for the day and fish all day long and come back and clean fish for two hours. And, you know, I'm like dead on my feet at that point. He's still trucking along, you know? Um, yeah, he's, he's, he was good at it then and he's really good at it now. But that's what you remember, Nancy. You remember your dad being there for you. You remember spending time with him. Yeah. And now as an adult with kids of my own, I'm like, how in the world did he go to work all day, come home and play, run, racing around the house, rubber band wars, and then still, you know, get every, cause there's a lot of work to do at home when you're a parent, you know, how did he get all that done? I have no earthly idea. Lots of coffee. This was like pre Red Bull days, right? Yeah. (laughs) No Red Bull. No Red Bull. Bull. That stuff will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like, you know, from earlier you had a really big heart for protecting Nancy, protecting her physically, protecting her emotionally, protecting her in all those ways. Um, would you say that that was the the most important thing for you as you were, you know, striving to raise uh, a daughter or would you say that there was yet something else that was still you would you would identify as the most important. Could you even pinpoint what the most important thing was, or were there just a lot of really important things? Yeah, I, I don't I don't really think I don't really think that there's necessarily just one. I think sure. it's all, but I think I think being there for your kids is so important, and um, and praying for your kids. You know, I, yeah. I prayed for I prayed for our kids all the time, and yeah. it is, you know, I. I and everyone is busy. I, I was, I was, cr- I was trying to, I was trying to grow a business. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, it, it was before effective cell phone service. So I, you know, I, I'd, I'd start work at three thirty or four o'clock in the morning, and then sometimes I'd go back to work at eight thirty at night or nine yeah. when the kids would go to bed. But, but take time to pray for your kids, and don't necessarily just pray for them when times are difficult pray for them all the time yeah and i you know i i think i think the lord honors that yeah so um but i would just say it's a it is it's all of it yeah it's just the experience of fatherhood and um and and the blessings of a daughter sure or children right right of course yeah well let's talk a little bit about we'll fast forward it to nancy's you know young adult years and me coming into the picture, you know, you, you spend your whole life uh, or you spend your daughter's first, however many years as the man of her life, the man who protects her heart, the man who shows her what love is the man who leads her to Christ. And then one day some other guy shows up and wants to, you know, take that role. I wouldn't say take it away, but take it over, shift it, change it, be a part of it, transition it right somehow. Um, man, what's that? What's that day like? Cause you, for me, Ruby's nine, I'm already going, okay, some, some knucklehead's going to show up one day, you know, like, what was it like for me to show up, you know, or what was it like when Nancy 
I guess you told your parents because Nancy would bring kids, friends home from college all the time. So we're at the Nancy's in college stage. And I guess you told them if I ever bring just one boy home, pay attention to that. Was there, was there a conversation around that? No, I think, um, actually you did. And she used to bring, we would, we would often get up on Saturday morning to a living room full of bodies (laughs) because we lived on the lake and they could play. Yeah. And um, And college wasn't that far away. An hour and a half, two hours away. Right. Um, So anyway, go ahead. Well, I mean, it was, you know, 20 plus years ago that that was going on. So it wasn't like I could text mom and dad and be like, Hey, I'm on my way with 15 friends. You you know, so we might just show up like the door was never locked where we lived, you know, so we just might show up super late on a Friday night and everybody crash in the living room or, you know, out on the deck or whatever. And, um, so that was, that was super fun. Okay. Get me back on track. What were we exactly talking about? What was it like to, for me to show up? Oh, right. Um, so I didn't really, I was a really active teenage kid. So I worked a lot. I had, you know, a lot of hobbies that I really enjoyed doing. I loved playing outside in college and all that. And I just didn't really have a lot of time for boys. Um, and so I really didn't date, um, very much. Like I might go out a couple times with a guy and I just, I just didn't, I didn't have time for it. I didn't enjoy dating. Um, and so Perry was really, really my first boyfriend, really. And the first boy I ever really brought home. Um, so I guess that kind of sets the stage, but now. Yeah. Let me, (laughs) did you, let's back up a few years. Did you have rules around dating John or what? Did you have conversations with Nancy during her, as she was kind of entering the potential dating years? It sounds like she wasn't all that interested necessarily herself or just too busy, but, but what were conversations like? How did you try to steer Perry, Perry referred to it as, as purity, purity conversations. Just maybe talk to us a little bit about your philosophy around that and how you kind of co-partnered with Nancy in that aspect of, of her growing up. You know, honestly, I I don't know if we ever had just a really specific conversation about that. Mm -hmm. She wasn't, she wasn't a kid, as she said, that, that dating was a big scene for her. she just she had so many friends and they were it was a it was a big co-op of, of kids yeah so it, it wasn't it wasn't anything that that we specifically spoke about that i remember no i so, don't really i mean i know that courtship and you know i grew up in the age of like josh mcdowell and all of that kind of stuff so you know, that was a part of our church and a part of, you know, we'd go away to a Josh McDowell conference for the weekend with youth group or whatever, you know, so I know that courting and purity were always in like a, a conversations that we had around dating and, and whatnot. Um, but I don't remember any rules around dating. I think if I were a kid who went out and dated a lot, like, you know, or dated around or whatever, had a lot of boyfriends, we would have had rules, but I guess it just wasn't really necessary because, you know, and I had friends that were guys and I had friends that were girls and we'd all just, you know, hang out and have a great time. And yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know if y'all attribute it to this, but I really sense a lot of that twofold is Nancy's personality. And then also just the unconditional love that you gave her as a child. She wasn't, in the as she hits those teenage years, she's not out there seeking that kind of approval or seeking that kind of love or seeking that kind of attention because she's receiving it on a daily, regular basis from you, John, her father. And so I think that just, you know, being that role in a daughter's life is going to really minister to her heart and set the stage for her not being an overly needy um girl that's going to go seek love in all the wrong places you know right. if that if that makes sense i think that's not i while i do think for me that was a huge factor in why i really wasn't out there seeking attention and affection from other men for me that was a huge factor i don't think it's a fail safe um yeah because i've certainly seen and experienced a lot of girls who have great fathers who still 
like feel that need for male attention in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm not, I don't think it's a fail safe way to go, but I do think for me, it was one of the most impactful things that made it to where I didn't have this need to go out and, you know, have boyfriends and feel like I needed this attention and affection from, you know, other people. I'm curious to hear, I think that's a a profound point that it's not a fail safe. And I think that's hugely important for men to hear. What do you think is the missing element then in some of those girls, some of your friends maybe that you saw and experienced who have these great fathers, but still that's an area where maybe a father does need to be a little bit more intentional or is there even anything a father can do if that's sort of the nature of his daughter? Um, Obviously, I think there's things a father can do, which we already kind of discussed, right? But for some of those girls that they're trying to fill a hole, right? That's what they're trying to fill. So I think whenever you have adults, kids, teens who are out there just honing in on honing in on what they're trying to, what the hole is, what's created the hole and what they're trying to fill it with. And then you've got to sort of um, mold what you do and say and how you react accordingly. You know, are they trying to fill that hole? with sex are they trying to fill that hole with alcohol are they trying to fill that hole with sports you know um and you can kind of tell if it's a hole they're trying to fill or if it's just you know like if it's sports like is it just something that they genuinely love or are they trying to fill a hole so what the hole is why there's the hole and what are they trying to fill it with and then you just kind of have to as a parent you just kind of have to go after it you know but you have to pay attention to what's going on to really know. Yeah, I was going to say I think it's very important to be aware yeah. of what's going on. And you if you if you're involved in your in your kids' mm-hmm. lives, you're going to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. 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 So, I mean that can't be that can't be hidden. Right. Perry, you were the first boyfriend then it sounds like the first real boyfriend and I know you've told me at least in private about going to John and having yeah. a conversation with him before even really starting to date Nancy. Why don't you sort of tell that story? And then I'd like to sort of get your perspective and your side of the story, John. Yeah, sure. So I was at a stage in life where I, uh, and I, growing up as a teenager, I, I was um, interested in girls. I didn't, you know, have a lot of girlfriends or whatever, but that was <laughs> definitely something that tripped me up a little bit um, in my high school years. But um, by the time I got to college, I got to a point where I was very, I realized that that I wanted my pursuit of Christ to be my number one aspect of life. And a girlfriend at that time, I felt like was just going to get right in the way of that. Um, and so I kind of got to a point in my late teen years, early college years where I just was like, all right, cool. I'm not interested in that. And then one day, um, Nancy and I bumped into each other out in the woods at Graveyards Fields on the trail, and she literally dropped my jaw. Her eyes captivated me, and um, you know, my buddies were like, "Oh, go talk to her, go talk to her." And I was like, "No, I'm not interested in a girl. I'm trying to, I'm trying to follow Jesus right now. You know, this girl's just going to get in my way. She's going to trip me up." Well, we l- went to a small college, and um, we became great friends. And she introduced me. I was, I had transferred in. She introduced me to all her friends. All her friends became my friends and we just kind of ran in the same circle and we got to know each other as friends for a while. And I began to realize what a beautiful woman of God she was and that she really had all the qualities of someone that I could see myself with for the rest of my life. And so as I began to kind of realize that, uh, I'm kind of an old school guy. I love old school stuff. And I believe in romance and chivalry and respect and all these things. And so I decided that before I acted on these desires of I might want to marry her one day that I needed to go get her dad's permission. And uh, that was honestly really scary. It was an intimidating thing to do. But hold on, let me stop um, you there. Not even, Not even just get his permission to marry her, to get his permission even just to start dating her, which I don't think... Many, even old, because I'm old fashioned. I asked my my father-in-law's hand in marriage for for my wife in marriage. Yeah. But man, even just to start dating her, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's what I did. And uh, yeah, I think we... Had you met my parents yet? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You, you Like just hanging out like in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we all came as a crowd to the house one times, time yeah. and like played on the lake or, you know, did some projects or something, you yeah. know. So we we knew each other a little bit. A little enough. You know, um, and then it came to the point of going, OK, I want to ask this man's permission to court his daughter. And I didn't know how to do that. I mean, I've never <laughs> asked anybody's permission to court their daughter before. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to honor Nancy and I wanted to honor and respect John. And I felt like that was the right thing to do and the right way to do it. So I honestly don't remember how I don't know if I made a phone call and said, hey, I'd like to sit down and have a meeting with you. I don't, I don't remember how we established that meeting, but I remember sitting in your in the kitchen, I believe, wasn't it? Well, when we, when I asked her, I, when I asked to marry, we were sitting around the kitchen table, but when it was just, and that was the whole family, which was another intimidating uh, and fun experience. But, um, but when it was asking to court, it was just you and me. And it was in the, it was in the living room uh, of, of the lake house. Yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was intimidating. And at the same time, uh, I knew that it was the right thing to do. So even though I wasn't sure how to do it, even though it made me nervous to think about it, I still stepped into to uh, setting up that meeting and 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 really expressing my intentions with John and and asking for his blessing and asking for his permission. Did you give it? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it, something that always impressed me about Perry, even from the very beginning, he was uh, um, he was. He was very honest, which is very important to me. And um, and you didn't have to try to decipher what he was saying. He was pretty clear about it. Yeah. You know, what he said was going to be real. And I mean, I mean it's Perry. It's a long time you, ago. You got to love Perry. He's just, he's just Perry. It wasn't easy. Nobody had ever asked me like that before. So, um, but I felt comfortable with with him. And, um, and, and, you know, when it came time for the proposal, I mean, honestly, Nancy's brother is probably as protective of her as I am. So that had to be very intimidating. Oh yeah. You know? And I thought, I thought you did a really good job. I, I, if I, if I'd had reservations, I, we would have talked yeah. about that. You know? No doubt about and, it. Yeah. And, so. Yeah. Yeah, but when I asked for permission to court and said my intention is to pursue a dating relationship with her, you know, with the result of getting married one day, you know, he asked me some hard questions. He asked me what I thought about sex and he asked me what I thought about marriage and he asked me what I, you know, thought about all these things. And so, you know, it was uh it was a a deep and meaningful and significant conversation. It wasn't just a hey, you're a nice guy, I like you. Yeah, go for it. You know, there there was certainly some dialogue that happened uh you know at that time I, i'm curious what what impact perry asking for permission had on you and i'm wondering if maybe sort of at a deep almost subconscious level there is a certain weight that a father carries around his daughter and who his daughter will end up marrying that was there almost relief was there was there like okay, she's going to be in good hands? What like what was the impact on that conversation and coming to feel to feel good about who Perry was with respect to starting to release a little bit of I don't know I I don't know what the right word is, but sort of starting to release your daughter to another man. Um, no, I can't really say that. So. A release for a relief. I mean, yeah. your 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 kids are your kids forever, and I mean, I I I believe that Nancy is in really good hands, and I I I am I am blessed to have Barry as a son-in-law, but she's still my baby girl. Right. So that never goes. Away. Yeah. So and he'd still kill me if I hurt her. Right. Well, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. It's not so much thing, like. Yeah. And it's not and even so. Yeah. So she'll always be your daughter, but I'm just. I'm just thinking, man. What if she, if she had married the wrong guy, or if you didn't feel good about that? Just a lot of extra anxiety, and you know, just a lot of extra stress on you as a father. I, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not in that situation, but 
Yeah, and and I think that there would have been, but I honestly, I I would have never expected that from Nancy. Yeah, um, I just don't think that that would have been in her makeup. Right. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. She she it's not it's not it's not like she didn't have pursuers as she was growing up. It's not like she didn't have yeah. guys trying to date her that were interested in her, you know, and, and that that was a part of who she was. She's right. a you know, beautiful, attractive, competent, fun person. So she had guys pursuing her, but I think what John is saying is that the nature of Nancy's wisdom and understanding is that she wasn't going to go down a path with the wrong guy because of her level of maturity and understanding. Is that, am I hearing that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I have a couple other avenues to potentially go Perry. Um, and, And let me, I actually want to go back, John, to something that you said earlier, which, which is, I think is incredibly insightful. And I just want to hear a little bit more of, you almost like snuck it in there, this idea of giving your daughter space as she is growing up and entering those teenage years, and yet striking the balance between giving space and yet still being there for her, still being a support there for her. How do you do that? What does that look like? And are there maybe examples where you're allowing her to maybe make some mistakes? It sounds like Nancy didn't make a whole lot of mistakes, but but we all we all have emotions as we're growing up and we're going through things and we have hormones and you know all these things and how do you how do you give space and yet still be there for her? Did she ever come to you with uh, friendship issues or hey dad I messed up here, you know, I need some advice or even just a shoulder to cry on? How do you strike that balance? You know, I, I wish there were a recipe for that. It would certainly be a lot easier, but it, I think it's kind of one of those things where it's an in-the-moment mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, those those circumstances will certainly pop up, and, um, and sometimes they show their ugly head. But uh, you you just you you just deal with it as it arises, and um, and the and the. The balance of that is the most difficult part. And again, I don't really have a recipe for that. I I wish I did. But Nancy, from your perspective then, can you remember any specific examples? Or do you think your dad did a good job of that, feeling like there was always that support there as you were figuring things out on your own in life? Yeah, I think so. I know that they gave me space because I can look back and see certain situations like they let me go to Russia on a mission trip when I was 13. Like, you know, I can't imagine how difficult that was for them, you know, song for, I don't know. I got a, three I got a passport like, in three days. That happened. For those of you only listening and not watching, you know, John was like patting his heart, like remembering, Oh my gosh, the nervousness and anxiety of that moment. Keep going, Nancy. Yeah. So, you know, I can look back and, and remember those times where they did, give me space to make mistakes. They gave me space to grow up. They gave me space to experience things that maybe they wouldn't have or didn't want to experience at my age or for themselves. You know, for me, it was always, I was always seeking like the next adventure, the next place to go, you know, the next super fun mountain to, you know, hike or climb or bike or whatever. And um, they let me do those things, even though I know it made them uncomfortable um, and scared at times. And I think that's some of the space that they let me have and things that they let me do that they probably didn't want me to do, you know? Um, so there's certainly that. And like dad was saying, it's not really, there's no recipe, you know, I think of me as a parent and there's no recipe involved, but it's part of just knowing your children. You know, if you, if you have your kids at school all day long, which there's nothing wrong with that, but your kids at school all day long, and then they come home and they're on a screen for two hours. And then you, you know, throw some food down their throat and then you watch television and go to bed. That's not knowing your children. You know, that's not taking time to get to know their passions, desires, personalities, struggles, conflicts, all of those things. And you can't, If you parent in that way, you can't expect to know when your child is struggling and to know how to give your kids space when they need space or love and affection when they need love and affection or space when they need space or support when they need support, you know? Um, And so I think we live in this culture where parents 
want to be that for their child, but they don't know how, but they don't know how, cause they don't spend the time to get to know their children. Um, and my dad did that, <clears throat> took the time to get to know us. Would you agree with that, John? Do you think, cause that's, that's always a question that I have is I think kids, want to be understood at a deep level and and in talking to other men um not as much women but i imagine it it goes both ways you know a lament of a child's heart is often that my my dad doesn't understand me or my mom doesn't understand me or i don't feel understood and what i hear you saying nancy is that the understanding comes from being present in your kids' lives, having those shared experiences, getting to know when a child is a little bit off because you're in tune with their their emotional state and you're just there and you're present and you're doing things together. So maybe that is the answer. But I would ask you, John, do you feel like you understand Nancy? And and how how do you feel like a father can understand his kids? Um well that that old nonsense about you know you don't need time with your kids you just need quality time you need time with your kids that you in order yeah. to, to to build a relationship you you need to have time with your kids so the experience is you know it, it's not just all the fun stuff right it just you know right. I, I used to bring my kids to work a lot when they were really because i had to work a lot um so I, you know i think in order to be in tune with them um you just need to spend time and I think that probably that is one of the most important things. You know, it's not necessarily that you don't, you know, you need to forsake other things to do that. But just as I said a little bit earlier, I used to bring them to work with me because we wanted to spend time together. They used to, they used to sit in the room and straighten nails or bang nails into two to fours, whatever, right. just so we had time together. We would draw on the framing of the house or, yeah, you just, know, I yeah. mean. Oh, yeah, I've got pictures yeah. in hundreds of houses that's covered up with drywall and wood. Yeah. They did their artwork. So, And it wasn't and quite. I have it wasn't that with, with, well, you guys have that with. We, we yeah. keep it in our house. Yeah. It's, it's all over. So, yeah, spend the, spend the time. Yeah. And it wasn't always quality time. Yeah. I think that's what he's saying. Like, it, yes, the quality time is important, but just time just is important. Time. You know, if it's just taking your kid with you to the grocery store instead of leaving them at home. Like that's just time and it might not be quality, but the time is important too. I know with my father, he, uh, and it, it left a real impression with me. He, my father worked all the time. Um, he was, he was, he'd go to work before I ever got up in the morning to go to school and he'd be home after dark to eat dinner. And I used to, I used to get up early on Saturday mornings to ride with him so we could spend some time together. But uh, my mother and father, uh, they never had um, excess at all. And they were very generous. If they had a little bit of money, they they gave it away, which made an impression with me as well. But um, But my father was willing to do that so my mother could be a mother and, and spend that time. So, um, and I think that that's often very important. I may be stepping on toes by saying that. I, I don't know. That, I mean, that's very difficult in today's system. But um, the the time I think is 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 so important. And uh, we we used to have a sign on our refrigerator at home. That, you know, you, you, messy house is one thing, but you only get a you only get a short time to raise your kids. So take the time with them. Yeah. Um, and we we did basically the same thing. We mm-hmm. I worked a whole lot so Kathy could be a mom. Um, I just worked. <coughs> I was self-employed so I could riddle out time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so we could have fun, hang out. And play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell people all the time, especially moms who are, you know, talking about maybe wanting to stay home with their kids more, homeschool or anything like that. I tell them you know, you can make money for your whole entire life, but you can't be a mom to little kids for your whole entire life. It's a really short period of time, you know, and if you have to forego an extra car or clothes or shoes or, you know, things like that, 
it's a short period of time. And then you literally have the rest of your life to make money, you know? Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the things I always tell moms, especially, you know, if they're battling that, what to do. And everybody prioritizes things differently. You know, that, yeah. that's just kind of what yeah. worked. It worked for Kathy and I, and it worked for, for my, my family and my brothers, you know, that we, that, that was our upbringing and that, that was imperative, very important to us. Yeah. So. For a neat freak like myself, this is a good reminder and good encouragement to leave, <laughs> leave the house a little messier every once in a while. It might not be the end of the world if I can play with my kids. Yeah. Um, and I, like what I I want to add to what I said is mm-hmm. I I say that to moms, but I also say like I I'm a working mom. I work, you know, um, and so I'm like coming at it from both angles because I am a working mom. So yeah, homeschooling, working homeschooling mom, working homeschooling stay at home mom. Yeah, a something. <laughs> I'm a something. It's a tough balance. <laughs> we wonder why we have no energy at the end of the day. So yeah. and the, the kids come to work with us every day. So yeah, which is actually really like easy and great now. When they were littler, it was not so easy and great. You know, we've always brought our kids to work with us. So you know, I've always been a a homeschooling working mom that brings kids like brings our kids to work with us so yeah um it's you know had its challenges but and our and that's our topic i know i'm sorry that's okay and our family structure is a little bit modified it's a little different you yeah know, it's nancy and i both work and we both do things at home you know yeah. so we yeah. for us it was we found a balance that worked well for us because nancy's mm-hmm. always had a drive and um an interest in business and working and uh she's always wanted you know, to, to have some things to do outside of the home, mm-hmm. uh, particularly run and operate a business. And so because of that, um, we stepped away from like a traditional, I go to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week and she stays at home and we do more of, well, we both work and we both do things around the home and, right. and take care of the kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm just as comfortable showing up to the grocery store without a list and you know, yeah. walking around shopping and getting groceries for the family is, you know, probably probably not as comfortable as Nancy is at it, but I'm, Maybe not. I'm probably close. <laughs> we have a, we definitely have a really unique blend lifestyle. That's not, yeah. it's very atypical for sure. Yeah. But that's the key. You, you, yeah. have, you have a balance that yeah. works for, for your whole family. Right. Yeah. And which is the, that's the priority. Yeah. So it works yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, um, I'm looking at the time. It's probably getting time to about wrap up. So I would just maybe in closing ask, you know, John, just any, any kind of summary, you know, words of wisdom that you might just kind of think to give to, you know, the, the younger fathers listening. And, um, and then also Nancy, maybe any kind of words of wisdom, you know, for the fathers that are about to have daughters or do have daughters, um, you know, just kind of as a, maybe, (laughs) The closing wrap up. Anything come to mind? Just, just be there for your kids. Yeah, always. Yeah, and um, and make them a priority in yeah. your life. Not, not you, but them. Yeah, and and somehow work your balance into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I can't really think of anything that I would add that I haven't already said. Honestly, um especially from a, a dad's perspective, you know, I mean, that's harder for me because I'm a mom with a daughter, you know, no, I meant from the daughter's perspective, like from the daughter's perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think, I think what John says is exactly right because he's still there for you now. I mean, so even as a, yeah. even oh, as an, sure. even as an adult, right. Fatherhood doesn't stop once your kids go off to college. Right. And you are still there for your daughter. You're still in tune with what she needs. You can still go to your dad. We we don't all have that situation. We're not all fortunate enough to still have a father with us present in our lives as we're going through our adult years. But for those of us who who do have that, man, what a blessing. But John, just w- what a powerful just reminder 
to always be present in our kids' lives. And and again, I just kudos to you and, and honor you. And just it's been fun for me just to even get to get, know you a little bit here in this hour we spent together, and just to get a sense of, of your heart and your and your genuineness. And um, so well done raising raising Nancy the way you have. And I can certainly echo what Perry said and see see in part how she has turned out the way she has turned out because of of your role as father in her life. Thank you. Yeah. Have fun with your baby girl. Yeah, I plan yeah, on it. I plan on sure. it. You will. You will. What, it's fun. What you guys said is exactly right. I mean, that time, I so Declan's now about to turn four, and those four years have gone like that. Man, what fun years, right? Where they're giggling and cooing and looking up at you, and it just goes like that. All of a sudden, they're walking and crawling and uh, you know, crawling, then walking and all those types of things. And so we're definitely planning to milk up every moment of it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, it's fun. And I'll say, like, Dad and I still – go out just the two of us and go out to breakfast sometimes or, you know, go Christmas shopping or whatever. We still, even though I'm 43 and he's 59 and a half, <laughs> we still make time, you know, to just hang out one-on-one. No, <laughs> but yeah. So <clears throat> my encouragement to all the listeners is just to really, you know, take all this to heart and, be default engaged with your kids and your family. Be be attentive. Put your phone down when you get home. Don't let it stay in your pocket. Put it down. Put it on the counter and and be present for the lives of your your kids, your your sons, your daughters. And uh, John and Nancy, I'm I'm honored that y'all would be on the podcast. And uh, it's been a joy to sit together and to dig into it. So thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your hearts. And most of all, just thanks for being who you are. Thanks for having us. It was fun. So with that, we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Stay tuned for more great episodes, and we will talk with you again soon. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 